0: I met a lady in the hall earlier and she happened to be part of the Los Angeles, California crusade that the Lord blessed me to be the preacher for every year for 14 years. And she was baptized in that, in one of those campaigns and she was so excited because she had not seen me since the campaigns, and she said, oh my God. She said, oh, I'm gonna get a chance to hear you preach. I haven't heard you since California. And she said, "Uh, I brought some friends with me because I wanted them to, 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 to hear the man I heard in 1977. And she said, I'm excited to hear you, tomorrow night. And I said, I am, I am very pleased that you have come and I appreciate those comments. But if you wanna hear that preacher you heard <laughs> in 7 to 7, you're gonna to have to buy the tape. <laughs> So when I miss the number up here, you understand that God is good. Yes. Yes. And it is just good to be here and if I misspeak every now and then, the Lord is still good. Uh, and so I'm just grateful to, uh, to be here. Now, I, un- I understand that uh, Brother Carruthers has given me a topic as he has to all of the ministers who have preached so wonderfully in this, uh, in this meeting. And just let me say this while I'm looking for uh, my text, Hebrew 13, um, uh, verse 20 and 21. And it has been said, by several of the preachers, let us not forget the chairman of this great lecture shared by R.C. Wells, one of God's great preachers, one of God's great preachers. And, and, and don't forget also to call uh, Dr. Jack Evans' name when you pray. Some of you here probably are not familiar with Jack Evans, But those of us who are familiar with him, we are so grateful that God gave us a debater and a preacher and a president like Dr. Jack Evans. So I would ask that, uh, oh yeah, God bless, go ahead and do that. So many times and so quickly we forget those who blazed the trail. But we don't ever wanna do that because if you don't remember your history or if you forget your history, you are doomed to repeat it. Uh, Now, uh, I'm gonna ask your indulgence here. Uh, In the 13th chapter of the book of Hebrews, uh, the Writer says, "Now the God of peace, that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great Shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do His will, work it in you that which is well pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen." Now that's the text that they gave me, and I'm gonna. And that's why I read it, so you'll know that was that's my text. Um <laughs> <laughs> You know, when you, when you when you reach a certain age, and those of you who have been preaching for quite some time, you understand how this goes. Uh, you try to be as professional as you possibly can. You read the text, and you go everywhere preaching the word. Um, yeah. And, and so we're going to uh, we're going to ask you indulgence. I hope I can I hope I can get back to that, but now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and Sam, Brother Powell, did an excellent job tonight. excellent job today. Um, and, I, and I'm just so proud of all the young men I've had a, an opportunity to have a little something to do with, and, and particularly those who are standing tall in the proclamation of Jesus Christ. I listened to Orpheus last night and almost shed tears. Uh, that that, that boy's something else. Yes, yes, sir. Um, and so I'm, I'm just happy to have had, not, not just those two, but there are many, but not those two. the Tolliver, the one who looked like he wasn't going to sit down after trying to introduce me. Uh, I, I'm, just, I'm just grateful to all of the young men, all of the young men who are standing um, for the cause of Christ. Now I have listened attentively to all of, not all of the messages, but many of the messages, and I've had a chance to share with, with some of the ministers who uh, were presenting uh, their topics and, and, we, and we chatted, Lugo was one of those, and Lugo had a, uh, almost a thesis that he shared with me uh, with, uh, with regards to uh the the Hebrew letter. there are so many things in the book of Hebrews, uh, so many wonderful things in the book of Hebrews. One man said, If I were incarcerated, if I were placed in jail and the keys were about to be thrown away, and they asked me, What book would I' request to read while in prison. This man said, uh, I would request uh, the Bible. If they were to say to me, we can't give you the Bible, but we can give you one book. And as the story goes, this gentleman says, give me the book of Hebrews. It's a fascinating book. It is a fascinating study. And I would hope that those of you who uh, attended this lectureship this year, that when you get back uh, to your homes and to your residences, you spend some time in Hebrews. Um, Now, I've heard uh, so much about Hebrews. Uh, A better country. Uh, Better Covenant and uh, all about faith and, and when I looked at what uh, uh, Jeff had given me uh, I did not know how I could really deal with anything new because the preachers preceding me had done, has done such an excellent job until they didn't really leave anything for me to really talk about that somebody had not already mentioned one way or the other. So I, I went to the front of the book. Hebrews chapter number one. And In Hebrews chapter number one, here's what you see. So I don't get involved in somebody else's message. I was trying to find one to talk to you about for 20 or 30 minutes that maybe you had not already heard. So I didn't want to get into rehashing. So I went to Hebrews chapter one Verse one. Now, some of you will say, uh, "Brother Washington, that was quoted almost every night." I understand that. I understand that. But verse one says, and you got you have your Bibles. Verse one says, "God," and that's the title of my message. Uh, 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 that's the title of my message. Right. God. 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 Now that, that, that's quite a bit in, in, in Hebrews, but I want to talk about God. Yes, sir. I, 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 yeah. What would we do as children of God if it weren't for the eternal spirit? If it were, if we were without The eternal being, the eternal creator and sustainer of all life. What would we do? What kind of people would we be? Your life. Your relationships. What you go through. And the quality of your pilgrimage through whatever it is that you go through will depend on how you see God. To the degree that you see God in all that you do it will be to that degree that you will be able to enjoy the abundant life. So the question on the floor is how do you see God? How do you see God? Because God, our, our visions of God and our interpretation of God determines how we live yeah. how we move yeah. and how we are blessed as we meander through this very difficult world uh, right, sir? William Augustus Jones uh, born in 1936 died in 1974 wrote a book called God in the ghetto. He postulated three principles as he talked about how we see God. What is our vision of God? Different people, different religions see God different ways. Now watch this. How we see God determines our theology. And our theology determines our anthropology. All right. All right. All right. And our anthropology determines our sociology. All right. All right, sir. Now, what does all that mean? All right, our theology, how we see God, determines our theology. What you believe and how you believe it is determined and it is based on how you see and understand who God is. How you see God determines how you think. How you see God determines your Christianity. How you see God determines whether or not you get anything out of coming to church. How much you give on Sunday morning is determined by how you see God. If your marriage isn't working, it may be we you might need another vision of who God is. How you treat me is based on how you see God what you do to me is determined on how you see God and then your theology how you see God determines your anthropology that's how you see other people How you see yourself, now how you see other folk, how you treat other people depends on how you see God. And then your anthropology determines your sociology, which means how you get along with other people. See, that's why it was not difficult for the slave masters to go to church and sing and pray and take communion and then leave church and go hang my grandfather. Oh, y'all miss that. It didn't bother them because they didn't see God the proper way. Their theology was warped. And because their theology was warped, their anthropology was warped. And as a result, their sociology, how they treated people was also warped. How do you see God? Not, 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 how you see yourself necessarily, because to the degree that you see God will determine how you see yourself and what you think about yourself. I'm talking about God. Now I know that's a whole verse, but I'm not gonna get any further than God. Um, Go ahead. How do you see God? We need to be able to visualize who God is. That's right. Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1. Yes, sir. In the beginning yes, sir. God, yes, sir. God yeah, yeah. Elohim yeah, yeah. God created the heavens and the earth. Right, Infidelity begins genesis 1. Fidelity begins genesis 1 because if you cannot believe that in the beginning God you might as well close up the bible don't read any further If you believe that God stepped out on space, reached back into nothing, and got something, and threw that something up into nowhere, and nowhere became somewhere, then you are about to see God for who he is. How do you see God? Now there are folk who believe different things about God. There was a religion called theism. That's the religion of the Christians. And that is we believe God and we believe God is the creator and the sustainer of the universe. And then of course there is deism which sets forth the idea that God is a creator but not the sustainer of the universe. And then there's pantheism, which sets forth the idea that God is the universe himself. And then there is atheism. That's a belief that God does not exist. And then there is agnosticism, where God is deemed unknown or unknowable. He may exist, but nobody can know him. Agnostics. But my question is how do you see God? Not see me or these preachers. How do you see God? Have you ever had a vision of God? Have you ever been able to conceptualize God? Now, I recognize you can't see it but you can see him like you see that Mercedes you won't you you see him by faith and to the degree brother preacher that you see God It will be to that degree that you will become pastoral in your ministry. Your church hired you as a preacher, but you have to grow into being pastoral not some title that you nail up on your door. How do you see God? Is God for real in your life? Is he for real? Or are we faking it so we can make it? Are we really praising God when we say we are praising God? Is God in your praise? Or are we caught up in me-ism? That's M-E-I-S-M. That's all about me. And what can God do for me? How do you see God? Do you see him as a Santa Claus? I call on him when I want him to bring me a present. How do you see God? Your church is not growing. You haven't baptized anybody two years, but you praise it every Sunday. I'm not against that. I'm not against praising. But I'm against your misinterpretation of what our job is. All right sir. All right sir. Yeah. Yeah. We have a job. And our job is not praising all the time. How do you see God? And what he has called us to be. All right sir. How do you see God? Now, I know some folk will misunderstand this and say, "Doctors against praising. Well, if that's what you want to think, that's fine. I told you I wasn't. <laughs> uh, how do you see God? Does God exist in your life? And if you don't know, if you don't, you say, well, Brother Washington, uh, help me, help me with this business of, of being able to visualize God well if, if, if there are any agnostics or atheists in the house and, 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 and you want to uh, find a way that will better uh, assist you in visualizing God look up yes sir. yes sir look up you don't have to have a fit. look up and when you look up, into our solar system our great solar system yeah. and you see that great beam of light called the sun yeah. understanding that, that solar planets uh, revolve around that sun the yes. earth revolves around the sun 300 and it takes it 365 and a fourth day to get around the sun. Mercury revolves around the sun. It takes it 88 days to get around the sun. Neptune revolves around the sun. And it takes it 165 days to make the trip. Saturn revolves around the sun, and it takes it 29 years to make the trip. Uranus revolve. we're talking about the same sun. We're not talking about five or six different suns, we're talking about the same sun. Uranus, it takes it 84 years to get around the sun. Ah. Uh, It takes it 248 years to get around the sun. Here's the point. All those planets are revolving around the sun at the same time. And, And some, it takes over 100 years to get around. Some may take 80-some years to get, it, get around. All going in the same direction. But they never run into each other. If you, if you don't have a concept of God, look up! And you have to say, there must be a God somewhere. Still having trouble? Look down. What is it? What is it? That tells the bears up north. Yeah. It's time to go south. What is it? They don't have navigations. What is it? That tells them when to fly. What is it? That tells them where to fly. What is it that tells them how high to fly? They don't, they don't fly into telephone poles and telephone wires. They don't have navigation equipment. But they can fly all the way from the north to the south. And they, can, they go exactly where they need to go. Because there must be a God somewhere. And so your concept of God is crucial as you make your way from earth to glory. Now, what has God done? What what has God done? We have studied Hebrews. But, Hebrew tells us a lot of things, but one thing I want to emphasize in the next few minutes, and I'll try to be um, as rapid. Don't preach now, don't preach now. Don't preach, stop. <laughs> okay, all right, I, 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 I won't say anything, i uh, lost. <laughs> I'll I'll talk to Jeff about that. Uh, Yeah, I'll talk to you. You you don't bring me no paper. You been bringing me some paper. Praise the name of Jesus. Um, But I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, to detain you in order to lead. Um, I shall with as much alacrity as I can um, move forward this Hebrew covenant this covenant in Hebrews give me a minute to explain that to you in in the eternity past, in the intercytum of God, meeting with the determinate counsel, God decided that he wanted a, get this now, get this, that he wanted a relationship with the man he was going to later create and so he not only made that decision but he wanted a mechanism Uh that he could be in agreement with man that is heaven agreeing with earth and he created an instrument and it's called covenant. Now, get this, get this, get this. We find Israel, the people of God. Well, well, first of all, just let me remind you that there are five major covenants in Scripture. Some say six, and if you say it's six and not five, then we can have that conversation later. But. Are uh, five major covenants. Five. The Abrahamic covenant, the Noahic covenant, the uh, Davidic covenant, Mosaic covenant, the New covenant. And then there are those who say the Edemic covenant. That's the, the covenant that God had with, is with Adam in the garden of Eden. Now watch this now, this is, this, is def- this, is, this is definition. Because the Hebrew writer talks prolifically about this covenant and you and I are in a covenant with God. So then you ought to know what a covenant really is. A covenant can be described as a contract. And we know what a contract is. A contract is a document that binds one or more people yeah. All right. to a particular endeavor. Right. There was a party of the first part. Yeah. There was a party of the second part. All right. All right. And I use this in my debates with Seven Day Adventists. And I make the point that God was a party of the first part. Mm-hmm. Israel was party of the second part. And you, Brother 7A Venice, is not a party of no part. <laughs> <laughs> but now here's what I need you to see. Here's what I need you to see. Here's what I need you to see. While I just explained contract. And, and the word contract and covenant can be used inexchangeably. But a covenant can exist without the stipulations of a contract. Right. Right. Now, watch this. Don't miss this. Uh, in the 19th chapter of the book of Exodus, God's people, three months out of slavery, they are now gathered at Mount Sinai. God says to Moses that I want to make a covenant with these people and God gave the stipulations. If they will do this, I will do that. I will make them a great nation. If they will do this, and then the people agreed with God. So what do you have? You have a contract, but the Bible also calls it a covenant. So a covenant can be a contract, but all covenants are not contracts. Now don't miss this. The covenant at Sinai was a contract because there was two parties involved, God and Israel. But wait a minute, Hebrews talks about a new covenant. Yeah. Well, what's, what's new? Because in the 19th chapter of the book of Exodus, we know what a covenant is. Yeah, right, sir. And we can prove that there are two parties. party of the first part, party of the second part, and God called it a covenant. Deuteronomy chapter five, Moses called it a covenant. And the covenant we're talking about at Mount Sinai, it has two parties. And God made clear, when we get to chapter number 20, he made clear, if you do this and violate the contract, I'm gonna do that. So the parties then could get out of the contract by way of violation. Get this now, get this. When either one of the parties violates the contract, it makes the contract null and void. Oh, you got that? Well, now over here, we're, we're talk about, over here's the contract. The 19th chapter of the book of Exodus, that's the contract, God and Israel, two parties. But over here, we got a new animal all together. Over here, we got a new contract. and oh, we got a new covenant. What makes this covenant over here new? And what makes it different? have that covenant over there. All right. Is this covenant over here a contract? Yes. It's a contract. But it's not a contract like that contract is. All right. All right. Because over over here we have two parties. Yeah. We have God and Israel. We have two parties. And either one of them could break, the co- to break that covenant. Either one of them could break that contract. But over here right, sir. Right. we have a new contract. And over here, a contract is sealed, a contract is cut by an oath. Somebody swears. But since when you start swearing on a contract, you have to swear to somebody that's greater. Don't miss this, don't miss this. So when we get to the new contract, the new covenant that we've been studying about all the week, the new covenant, when God got to the new covenant, which is the seed covenant in Genesis chapter 12, when God preached the gospel to Abraham and told him through your seed, all the nation of the earth are going to be blessed. The Bible calls that the gospel, Paul calls it the gospel. Now, what is the difference? In the new covenant, the seed covenant, S-E-E-D, the seed covenant, that's the covenant through, that's the seed through which Christ is going to come. It's a new covenant. And God told Abraham, through your seed, all of the nations are going to be blessed. But God looks around, and ain't nobody to swear by. Oh, you know what the Bible says. He swore by himself. Now then, who is this contract with? Who is this contract between? it's a different contract because this contract, this covenant is not between get this clearly because you, if you ain't careful you will miss it. This contract this covenant is not between God and man. That one was that one was between God and man but this new one is between God and God you're missing this God and God, over here, one party, watch this, one party could terminate that contract, but the new covenant, one party, the party of man cannot terminate this contract. Man cannot terminate this covenant. There is only one central principal person involved in this covenant and that's God. God and his plan. Man can participate but if man fail to come up to his part it's not, a y'all ain't getting this idea? If man fail to come up to his responsibility it's not going to matter and the reason it's not going to matter is between this contract is between God and God and and I thank God for that now you can always come back but but when I mess up it does not affect what God does I don't, don't you miss this because this is, this is some powerful stuff. When I mess up, it doesn't affect what God does. Because God has all, let me, let me just say this. You see, I don't know what the reason was as to why God did it that way, but, but I can surmise that in the mind of God, in that first covenant, God is saying, I've already seen how you all respond. Already seen how you all mess up. And I've already seen that you folk don't keep the contract. So I'm going to do a new one. Y'all ain't getting this. this. I'm going to do a new one. And even though you mess up, I'm not going to kill you. You can always come back to me. But you have no part in the contract in terms of assisting me or having something to say about the contract. And and that is what does that mean? That means, that means, you see, that means when you're saved, when you've been saved, you're saved. You see what I'm saying? When you've been saved, you are saved. When you are in Christ, you are in Christ. When you have the Holy Spirit in you, the Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit doesn't leave when you mess up. Let me me make a point here. let, Let me show you how that works. Most of you are familiar with basketball. And you may not have ever seen this, but I have uh, kids and, and others who get excited playing basketball. This is my goal right here. That's my goal. But the thing is, uh, I get excited and I catch the ball in the middle of the court. And, 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 and my mind becomes discombobulated. I'm so excited. I run down here yes, and shoot. Yes, sir. In the wrong goal. Yes, wrong goal. Yeah, yeah. Watch this now. Watch this. But it doesn't mean I'm off the team. Oh, y'all gonna give us. I'm still on the team. All I have to do because of the new covenant is come back to God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good job. When you're in Christ, you're in Christ. What? What about when I mess up? How how can I stop messing up? I tell you a good way to stop. Just stop. Now now I don't. I'm I'm gonna have to let you go. I got to. But listen, listen. Here's what I want. Here's what I need you to get. Just know that. When you have been saved, you're saved. Now, I'm not saying you can't be lost. I'm saying when you have been saved, you're saved. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, when Jesus Christ comes into your life, you are saved. And that new covenant provides for that. And what you have to do is just be sure that when your physical mind is trying to make a deal with the physicalities of the world, the Holy Spirit is still working in you. He doesn't leave you, he stays with you. You Y'all know what Jesus said, I will be with you always. So all you have to do under this new covenant is come back to God. Come back to God. Now, uh, I'm included in the new covenant but I didn't sign it. Yeah. All right. All right. I didn't sign it. No, God did, God did not need my signature. He took care of that in Jesus. Power, I wish I had to. If you don't get anything else, just be happy that you serve a God that loves you. And he provided for you. Yeah. He made a way for you. Yeah. And I know we don't want folk to think that we, you know, we, well, if you, if, if you sin, you're going to hell. Well, don't, don't, be, uh, don't be so harsh. Now, I'm not saying you won't be lost. You know me better than that. But what I'm saying is if a man is overtaken in a fault, yes, sir. You which are spiritual, restore restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself and thank God for his grace. Thank God for the, if it were not, For the grace of God, I would be dead and in my grave. But it's because of the grace of God that I stand before you tonight. And and thank God for his grace. Thank God for his grace. Now, I don't have time to get into what I needed to get into, and that is all these rituals and rules and regulations. Uh, I I didn't get into that, but I needed to get into that. You, you, You need to get... That's why you ought to thank God for the new covenant. Amen. Amen. That's why church folk ought to be thankful for the new covenant. You see? Because it's not about rules and rituals and practices. Now, I'm not advocating. when you're talking to a bunch of church Christ folk, you have to, be, you have to explain yourself. Uh, you have to keep explaining yourself. <laughs> you know, uh, what I'm saying to you is it's not about. See, over there was the rules and the regulations yeah. and the rituals. Yeah. Are awesome. But over here, yeah. it's love. Yeah. What motivates me is love. Yeah. Wow. Now, but don't misunderstand. I'm not saying we don't, we, we, we're not supposed to work and we aren't supposed to give. That's not, I'm, not, I'm that's why I'm not there. I, I'm just simply saying we are under the grace of God and thank God for his grace. That's what I'm saying. Thank God for his grace, thank God for the new covenant. So if you don't take anything else away from this lectureship, just thank God that you are under the new covenant. And when it so happens that you make a mistake, you get discombobulated, forget where your goal is and and run down here and shoot to somebody else's goal, just know you're still on the team. 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 Well, God bless you tonight. I pray, and I, pray. I don't want to thank uh, these brothers for respecting my age and letting me up? talk a little longer. Uh, but I, w- I wanted to try and help you. I wanted you to leave this place knowing that yes, you are under the new covenant. Yes, and, 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 and I give because I love Jesus. Yeah. I attend church because I love Jesus. I praise him because I love him. Because there is nobody like Jesus. That was, I let that alone. Um, but 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 let but, but that but, but, but alone. But, but, but there is nobody like Jesus. <laughs> that's a whole nother song Yeah, that's a whole. I do ABC on that subject. There's nobody like Jesus. Nobody right. like Jesus. All right. And he's, he's been good to all of us. Yes. Been good to all of us. And so I want you to, to go home on Friday or Saturday, whatever it is, uh, back to your homes of a board, and, and just remember that, I mean, if you can't remember everything, just remember that Jesus loved me so much yes, that he died on that old rugged cross. And then go read Romans chapter 8, and then see how the Holy Spirit leads us, in, and he guides us, and he brings us back. So he brings, oh, you can step out, but the Holy Spirit will bring you back through his divine word. He'll bring you back. He'll bring you back. Now, I'm going to ask everybody to please stand. While you're standing, I want you to think about Jesus and how good he has been. Think about Jesus and, and what he has done for you. Think about how great God is. Yes, sir. How great God is. I didn't, I didn't get into all that. But how great God is. As a matter of fact, how great God is. How great. You're getting old, too, brother. <laughs> You know I'm talking about how great Thou art. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, Praise sir. the yes, name sir. of Jesus. <laughs> how great Jesus is, and 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 we just thank Him for His grace and mercy. We just thank Him for His grace and mercy. Just because He woke you up this morning, that's a blessing. You know, God can wake you up, but that doesn't mean you're going to be able to get up. Oh, how good God is. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 6, I'm trying to quit. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 6, God says, I'm going to give you three weapons here. I'm going to give you three weapons because I love you. You're going to be bombarded by the demons. You're going to be bombarded by your enemies. You're going to be talked about and you're going to be ridiculed. But the Holy Spirit says, I'm going to give you three weapons to deal with the three hounds of hell. The three hounds of hell is worry, fear, anxiety. Three hounds of hell and, and, and if, if, if they haven't been to your house, just keep living. But now Jesus says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm go- uh, the Holy Spirit says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you three weapons, and, and, and they're going to serve as prescriptions. And if you take it, you're going to be able to deal with the hounds of hell. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 6, the Bible says, prayer, supplication thanksgiving you, if it looks like you're being overwhelmed out of all the good you do hell's still breaking loose in your life you being talked about stabbed in the back and the more you do the worse people get the more you do for folk the more they want you to do Holy Spirit says, I'm going, to, I'm going to give you three weapons here. I'm going to give you prayer. I got to quit this. I got to quit this. I'm, 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 I'm going to give you prayer. I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you prayer. Jesus, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Jesus never taught a class on hermeneutics. Apologetics and homiletics. He never taught a class on that. But he did teach a class, I know, in Matthew chapter 6 when the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Prayer. Get this. Prayer got Jesus ready before the cross. Prayer got Jesus ready at the cross. Prayer got Jesus ready. Listen to me. Prayer will get you ready before your test. Prayer will get you ready during your test. Prayer will get you ready after your test. You just need to be thankful. You just need to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And if you've been derelict in your duty in thanking the Lord, if you've been derelict in your duty in serving him, if, if you're in this house and, and you've been told and you, you've been wrestling with yourself, you say, well, I sin, I guess I'm going to hell. There ain't no need for me to go to hell. And you know, there are some people in the Lord's church who become guilty of something, and, and they are so despondent they won't even come back. They, they, they feel like there ain't no forgiveness for that there is nothing you can do that Christ will not forgive you of. If you come to him right, with the right heart and the right mind, and if you humble yourself at the cross, his blood has already taken care of all of my sins.